morning. Everybody awake? Amen. You're here, right? <laughs> Glad that you're here. And I want to jump into our message real quick. I, I, I thought I was going to mention a couple of announcements, but they did a great job with some video announcements today. So, you know, but please do. If you've not been to 101 yet, I want to see you this afternoon at 4 o'clock, okay? I really uh, share with my heart. And, um, and uh, if, you know, if you've got questions, this is the time to come and ask questions. You, you get that opportunity. So please do. Let's have a word of prayer and let's get into our, our sermon in the uh, Once Upon a Time series. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for. God, so many great things that are happening. Thank you, Lord, to just again, Lord, that you, you allow us to be a part of it. We're not sitting on the sidelines, but God, Second Chronicles 29, 11 says that you've chosen us. And God, we don't want to be negligent of, the, of that uh, calling that you've given to us. And just thank you, God, for the privilege, Lord. Um, God, not, not the responsibility and the duty. God, the privilege we have to be a part of awesome work that you're doing in so many lives, changing so many uh, families, saving, rescuing marriages, God, uh, turning lives around, God, turning teenagers around. Thank you, God, for all uh, that work. And just pray, God, that you, you today would challenge every single one of us. I, God, I pray that everyone right now is just opening themselves up to you, God, to be challenged. God, to be challenged to uh, step a little closer to you, God, to bring you more into their life and into their world. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, everybody said, amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about Noah. And uh, the title of uh, today's sermon is The Land Without God. Now, and the first thing we find out about Noah is he lived in a land without God. Okay, look at the first verse. We have Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Okay, now this is before we know, before we even meet Noah, right? We've already seen this. Uh, and then we skip down to verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. In verse 12, God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Now, here's something that to me is very interesting but in a very sad way. If you ever looked at the genealogy and see, and, and uh, I, I was going to try to remember those for you. I, I looked at them again this morning. I thought, I'm, I'm going I'm to mess those up. But if you look at them and you count them, there are 10 generations from Adam to Noah. And you, remember, you remember when God created this world and he created the Garden of Eden, stuck them in the Garden of Eden? And you remember how every time God created something in Genesis chapter 1, you remember what he said? It was good. Every single thing about this earth was good. And 10 generations later, the Word of God says, the earth had become, the whole earth, how corrupt the earth had become. All the people on the earth had corrupted their ways in 10 generations. How easy it was. Noah lived, and, and I don't know any other word to use, but this, Noah lived in a degenerate world. And you think about that word degenerate, what does that mean? I mean, it means to degenerate. <laughs> it, it, means to, it means to not create and not to progress and not to go up and not to build and not to become something more. It means to unbecome. It means to degenerate. It means to fall apart. It means to begin to break down. This is the world that Noah lived in. So the first thing we find out about Noah is nothing really about Noah, but about the atmosphere, the environment, the world that he lived in. And, and Matthew, Jesus uh, mentions the days of Noah. Matthew 24 verse 38 says, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And not, not anything wrong with that, right? How many of y'all had something to eat this morning? <laughs> yeah, no. 
The rest of y'all didn't raise your hands. Y'all fasting this morning? Y'all, y'all, nobody had anything to eat? I mean, you know, and a bunch of you are married, right? You know, so, I mean, th- those, are, those are good things right there, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving. But, but that's, it's not just saying that, hey, everybody was wrong because they were eating and drinking and marrying and they were giving in marriage. Here, what he's saying about this is, is that they were going about their day and they're going about their life as if God didn't exist. If we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and we look at those verses of Scripture and then we stick it here with Matthew 24, verse 38, here's what Jesus is saying, here's what the Word of God is telling us, is that they had come to a place where they were living in a world without God. They had lives without God. You know, uh, they didn't go to school like our kids go to school, but they went to school in schools without God. They had relationships without God. They had marriages without God. They went to their jobs every day without God. They made decisions without God. Everything about their life was without God. And so when they were married, they were marrying, and they were marrying without God, and so they were divorcing and marrying again, and they were doing it without God, and they were doing it again and again and again. They were eating and drinking. They were giving no, uh, no thought whatsoever to what God had to say about their life. Now, you understand, I guess some people say that, that, that divorce is, a, is just a given in our society today. And, and you know what? It, it is for a lot of people. And I really, boy, I really want to get back on that some, sometime really soon because I, I want you to believe for more than that for your life. And if you found yourself, I mean, if you've come today for the very first time, you never heard me say this. That's why I want to say this this morning. If you come for your very first time, I want you to know that, hey, stuff happens in our lives. And sometimes, we are divorced and we get remarried and it's no fault of our own. Or maybe you were the person that was at fault and you really messed up your marriage, messed up your life. I want you to understand that, that there's always forgiveness for everything. If you're the guilty party or you're the innocent party, it, does, it doesn't really matter about this. So we're, we're not making a judgment on that. But what we're saying is when we begin to live lives like that, what happens is we're from one marriage to the next, back and forth and back and forth. And this is what the Word of God is talking about, is they were living their lives as if God did not exist whatsoever. There was no thought given to what does God want for my life today. There there was no thought whatsoever to, to, to which decision would God want me to make for my marriage? Which decision would God want me to make for my education, for my future? There was no thought of that. And I mean, to most of us, even to Christians today, that doesn't sound out of the ordinary. I mean, we get up, we live our lives all day long without ever thinking, what does God want me to do today? And you know what happens, though, when we do that? When we begin living our lives without thinking what we begin, we begin building lives without God, and we begin living in a land without God, your land. If you're not, if you're not purposefully bringing God into your life every single day, your land is a land without God. And I'm talking about all the, all the little places and the communities and, and things that you live your life. Your land is a land without God. And so this is, this is the first thing we learn about Noah is he lived in a degenerate world, a, a world that was totally void of any of God's impact, it seems, influence. I mean, we don't see anything there in any of these words that we've read so far. We don't see anything there about whether God was even speaking to people. Man, don't you, you ever get to that place that you almost feel like God isn't involved in your life anymore? That, that you feel like God's not speaking, he's not talking? That, that you, you seem to go through, those, well, go through those days. Well, let me tell you this. A lot of the reason for that is it's not because God doesn't want to speak, but because we're not listening. So today, let's listen again. Let's try to hear from that sermon last week. Let's try to hear that still, small voice 
and see that God wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to do amazing things in your marriage. He wants, and, and, and for those of you that aren't married, he wants to do amazing things in your marriage that's about to happen somewhere down the road, your future. God wants to do amazing things. But until we hear the still small voice and start doing the things that are necessary to bring God back, we're living in a land without God. And I'm, and I'm really not preaching about Noah today. I'm preaching about us because you and I live in a land without God. And I'm not preaching about those people out there. I'm not preaching about the people that you work with, that you go to school with, that you hang out with, or, or those. Man, do you, do you ever sit and just watch the people going in and out, out of Walmart? And you think about, man, all these people, and, and nobody's connected with God today. I mean, it doesn't look like anybody. I, I, I know there are some. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to become like that prophet of the Old Testament that felt like he was the only one left. But I mean, you know, a lot of times you just look and you just say, you know, nobody's giving any thought to God. You see that over and over. And, but it's not about them. It's about us who say we're God's children. And yet we create for ourselves lives and marriages and, and relationships as a land without God. So what do we do about it? Then we get introduced to Noah. You know what it says about Noah? You know the first thing we find out about Noah? Look at this verse right here. It's awesome. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Wow, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Now, now I, I know, you know, some of you may be thinking, well, look, look at the whole world around him. You know, the way the whole world was, it'd probably be easy for Noah to get some favor with God, right? You know, I mean, you got to think that. I mean, as bad as things were, and everybody was wrong, everybody was doing evil, and in Noah, he found favor. But that's, that's the whole question, isn't it? It's what was it that Noah was doing to find favor? Let me tell you something. I, I, I so appreciate, uh, I so appreciate Britain. Hearing, hearing God's voice a few moments ago and telling you what he told you because that was a really good setup for this sermon today. It's because we, we're forgetting that God is a supernatural God who wants to do awesome things in our life. He wants to give you this big, huge, beautiful dream that he's been dreaming about you since the, the moment he formed you in your mother's womb. God has been dreaming this big, awesome dream. And we forget that. How do you find favor in the eyes of God? But a couple of things. You know, and, 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 I, and I think here, here's the first thing is, is that we notice about this and we think about, if you think about this, is Noah found favor in the eyes of God, not because everybody was doing right, but because he was the only one doing right. So, you know, and think about that. How does that apply to me today? You know, because here's what, here's what most people think, don't we? Don't we think that we get to favor God because we showed up on Sunday? Somebody say amen or oh me or I'll preach a while here. I mean, we think that because we showed up on Sunday, we stood, we raised our hands, we sung, and, and we said, thank you, God. Man, we, we, you know, God gave us a, a, a little check mark or gold star. You know, go back to a kid's church days, right? We got a gold star for showing up on Sunday. But you know what? Look, how long has service been going? About 36 minutes now. You know what? There's probably not a whole lot of sinning being go, be, uh, going on for the last 36 minutes, Right? I mean, pretty much probably all of us, we've been, we've been pretty close to, the, to being obedient to God in just about everything for 36 minutes, right? I mean, we, we gonna, I mean all of us can live, live for God right here, right now. And the 36 minutes, we're all standing in the presence of God and everybody else is worshiping him. And I mean, everybody can do that. Where do you, you're not going to get favor here. This is not the place where you gain favor with God. You know where you're going to gain favor with God? is when you get out in that world again tomorrow and everybody else is doing their thing and everybody else is living in their lands without God and yet you are doing what God has given you to do in your heart and you're standing true in that. 
That you're living this talk today, you're walking that walk tomorrow. That you're walking it out, that you're being the person. Man, oh, David was flipping channels last night and she stopped it. She stopped at Hillsong. I'm sorry, I forget the pastor's name because we, we forget the pastor's name. We just remember the, the music minister's name, don't we? Uh, and he, he was preaching and, and he was talking about, you know, and, and he was talking about being re- relevant and, you know, and, and everybody's talking about relevance today. And, and man, he said this thing and I told David, I said, You can't do this to me, you know, right before I go to sleep. I said, you stop, at a, you stop at a sermon. That gives me, and I, I, had to grab my, I had to grab my phone, you know. I had to start making some notes. But he, said, he said, here's what relevance is. Relevance is when you close the gap between who you say you are and how you live. Relevance is not about how you connect with this world. Relevance, you know, this world isn't looking for you to be like them. This world is looking for you to be who you say you are. That who you say you are on Sunday, they're looking for you to be that on Monday because what they need to know is how do they live a life above all this garbage and trash and all this stuff that's going on in their life out there in the world. How do they live above that? And they don't, they don't learn to live above that when you start acting like them on Monday. The way they learn to live above that is when you act on Monday like you say you are on Sunday and you close that gap. As he was saying, that was pretty good. You close that gap. That's what's relevant to this world and that's where we gain favor with God. It's what we do when the last amen is said on Sunday morning. What we do when we wake up on Monday morning. What we do when we're given the invitations on Thursday and Friday night. You know, for the weekend. You know, I just got to think. You know, Noah, he probably didn't get invited to a whole lot of parties, did he? The whole world. I mean, who in the world is Noah going to hang out with? Who in, where is Noah going to go? I mean, what party is Noah going to go to? You ever heard of, you know, the life of the party? Noah had to be the death of every party, you know, that he was ever invited to. I mean, because everybody was doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I mean, it was one of the most vile times. It was a degenerate time. Noah probably never got invited to parties. But he still had to walk the walk. Well, no, he didn't have to, but if he wanted the favor, he had to. Your opportunity for favor is not found today in the middle of all this. Your opportunity for favor is when you walk what you are talking on Sunday, when you walk it on Monday. And, so, and here, here's, here's the next thing, verse 9. Let me show you why. This is the account of Noah. Here's the account of Noah. I mean, I had to stop there. Man, I just crawled all over me. I, this is the, what account do you want God to write of you in heaven? This is the account that God has written down in his word of who Noah is. And here it is. Man, this is awesome. Oh, that God would allow us to have this account written of us. That this would be the thing that when God says, well, let me tell you about Rick. That he would say things like this. I mean, this is what God is saying. He's saying, the whole world has corrupted my way, but Noah has found grace in my eyes. Let me tell you why. Here's the account I have of him. Man, amazing stuff. He says, Noah was a righteous man. And that, that means he did what was right. That means he didn't just talk it on Sunday. He walked it all the time. He was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time. And some translations render that word blameless as perfect. Now, nobody's perfect, but we know that we are made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we know that when, then we can walk. Where he, asks, he tells us, he uh, commands us to be holy as he is holy or righteous to walk it that way. He was blameless, meaning that nobody could say, huh, I saw what you did the other day. You live some on Sunday, but I, I saw what you did. I heard what you told. I, I, you know, I read what you tweeted. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. He was blameless among the people of his, among the people of his time. And you say, well, they, they probably looked at him and said, well, he was so high above them. No, 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 you know how they are. You know how those are. I mean, when you, you start trying to talk to them about righteousness and holiness and doing the right things, you know how they are. They start looking for chinks in your armor. 
They start looking for things. No, they, they don't think that you're better than them because they know how bad they are. They start looking for some way to pull you down. And you know what? These people that he lived with in his time in this land without God, they could not find a chink in his armor. Blameless, my goodness. And he walked with God. In a land without God, he walked with God. Wow, what, what, a, what an amazing testimony to say that he was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked without God, and he walked with God in a land without God. What a testimony, and this is not Noah's testimony. I've heard a lot of testimony in my, testimonies in my life. We used to have what we call testimony services, you know, where we, we, just, we just, sometimes we'd just do that on Sunday night maybe when I was growing up. Or maybe we would delay the, the, the message for a few moments, have a little short testimony, impromptu testimony service. We quit those because we got tired of people testifying for the devil. <laughs> oh, this week's been horrible. The devil's just been on my back. Bless his holy name. You know, that kind of stuff. And we, we, got, tired of the, we got tired of people, you know, testifying for the devil, so we had to quit that because we never knew what people were going to say. You know, then we got to the place of controlling that, say, well, if you want to testify, you got to come tell the preacher what you're going to say first before you say it because we got, to, you know, we, we got so scared of that, we had, we had to back away from that. I've heard a lot of testimonies, but this wasn't Noah's testimony. Oh, come on, get this this morning. This wasn't Noah's testimony. This wasn't his best buddy's testimony. Man, uh, there's nobody who believes in me more than my mom, but this wasn't Noah's mother's testimony. This was God's testimony that Noah was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God. What a testimony. That's the testimony you want. You want to have favor with God? Then stop trying to have favor with everybody else. I read just, just the, other, the other day, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I, I read and I, I shared it. I can't remember if I, who I shared this with. One of, one of our one of the small group I'm leading or staff or somebody about how one man said one of the biggest mistakes I made very early in the ministry was trying to be liked by everybody. And how many of you know you can't please all the people all the time, right? You're never going to do that. Our calling is not to have favor with man. Our calling is not to have favor even with the person sitting behind you or even right next to you. In this, Our calling is to have favor with God. And the way you do that is to follow Noah's example. Righteousness being blameless, and walking with God, walking with him. And because of that, here's what happens. Because of that, God is looking down on this earth. He says, man, i got to start over. This thing has gotten so, he said, i got to start over. And so he looks for an Adam and Eve. This time he finds Noah and his wife, and Noah's already got three sons, and they've got wives. And so instead of starting over with two, he's going to start over with eight. And so he says, I'm going to start over. And, you know, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it have been a great thing that if God's got to just start all over with this earth, that what God chooses to do is he chooses somebody. And wouldn't it, be the, wouldn't it be great that God chooses you to do it? Now, God made a promise after this that he's never going to do that kind of a thing again. But if you look around and you think about the spiritual symbolism of this and where you and I are today and we look around, we're living in a pretty degenerate world ourselves. I mean, Dave and I watched a, a Dateline or a, I don't know what it was last night, one of those, one of those news shows last night uh, about a man who, who strangled his wife and his two small children in bed at probably about 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. He said, what, what kind of monsters have we become that somebody could wrap a cord around their own child and hold it there? I mean, you think about, you think about the degeneration of this world that has come that we're able, and, and why, you know why, don't you? 
I mean, do you know why, right? Because he fell out of love with his wife and he found somebody else that would flirt with him, that would have sex with him, you know, and, and, you know, and it became an exciting thing to him. And this is why he killed his children. There, there, I mean, there is no way, and, and God even says in his word, there is no way that God cannot judge this society, this culture that we live in today uh, and, and without apologizing to the people of Noah's time, without apologizing to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because you and I, we live in a degenerate world. I mean, did you see, did you see uh, those pictures yesterday of the bodies, 20, I think 23 bodies that were hung from the, uh, from the, uh, uh, the overpass of the interstate in Nuevo Laredo, I mean, Dava, Dava had to, she recorded that so I could see it when I got home last night. She wanted me to see that because, because we've been in Nuevo Laredo. You know, we, that's a place you can you know, just walk across the border and get in there. And we're looking at these pictures of place, a place that we've been. And 23 bodies are, are hung because of, the, uh, because of the gang wars that are going on there. I mean, how do you do these kinds of things? And, and then there were several. I think four heads were found in a freezer. You know where? In the police in the police station of Nuevo Laredo, four heads, somebody had decapitated, and they had put in the, how do we get to this place? I don't know how we get here, but what is so scary is it can happen so quick. In Noah's time, it only took 10 generations. How long does it take a nation, one nation under God? To go from, from li- putting everything on him and, and calling their whole country to prayer. How long does it go from there to the state that you and We're living in a degenerate world. But because Noah found favor in the eyes of God, because Noah was righteous and blameless and walked with God, everything else hinged. Everything else hinged on what would happen next. Because now God has decided, I am going to send deliverance. I am going to bring something awesome. I'm going to do a great miracle, and I'm going to do it in your family. Wouldn't you like to be the family that God points at this morning? And he says, there's all kinds of trash and garbage going on all around you. People are, people are dying. Families are falling apart. Marriages are being destroyed. So many kids are, are on drugs and other substances that they're abusing. And God says, I want to save a family and if he's pointing this morning, I mean, how, anybody want to stand up and say, God, here, see me. I, I, I want it to be me. How do you get to that place? Well, first of all, find favor with God. But then there's a couple of other things that you've got to do. And here's your hint right here in this verse. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now, here's the story. Is God says, Noah, I'm going to flood this earth, but I want to save your family. I want to start all over, and I'm going to use your family to do it. And he says, I want you to build an ark. And he tells him how to build the ark. And I mean, this is real specific. I mean, you know, he, he tells him exactly, you know, what size to build the ark and tells him how high to build the ark because, I mean, God, God created water. Y'all know that, right? Right? Y'all know God created water? So God understands the buoyancy, you know. And God created gravity. Y'all know that, right? Right? Yeah, right. So God understands, you know, how, how big an ark it would take, you know, and, and how big it needs to, I mean, more than anybody else. And, you know, what is really interesting is that this ark, was the biggest boat you know, in history. You can look. There, there was never a boat built this big until the 1800s. Thousands of years later, this was the biggest. Nobody had this understanding of how to build the boat except for God. And so when God said, Noah, you're going to build a boat like this, and you're going to get this kind of wood, and you're going to pitch it like this, and you're going to make a, make a, a window here and make a door here and do all of these things, and, and this is the way I want you to build it. Nobody had an understanding except God of how to build a boat that big that could carry all these animals at that time. 
And so, you know what Noah, you know what Noah did? Is he did everything just as God commanded. A couple of things here. And these are the two things that, that kind of make the whole rest of the story hinge on these two things, on what, on what Noah did. And the first one is obedience. You know what obedience is? I mean, you saw it right there in that verse, right? You know what obedience is? It's hearing and doing, you know, what you hear. It's just obeying, right? It's being true to the thing that you've been told to do. It is, when, it is understanding that someone has some authority over you, whatever it is. If it's a boss, if it's, if it's a parent, you know, if it's, if it's a police officer or if it's God. And obeying whatever, you know, heeding the word and listening to the word and lining yourself up with that word. But now there's a couple of things here that i got to tell you about obedience. It's first of all, it was complete obedience or it was total obedience. Now, i got to ask you, is there anything, is there, is there any possible thing such as incomplete obedience? I mean, you, any of y'all got two-year-olds? I mean, sometimes you get some incomplete obedience, don't you? <laughs> You know, you're just glad for the little bit that they got that day. Okay, okay, I'll give you that one. But in reality, come on, adults, as an adult, as a mature person who understands, is there any such thing as incomplete obedience? Nope, not that that I see. I mean, obedience is total or it's not. You know, you can't say, well, I did what you told me to even though I knew what you meant was for me to do it this way and you try to twist it so that, you know, you you kind of get your point in too. You do it, you follow the letter of the law, but you don't follow it with the attitude that God intended for you to do it. There is no obedience without total obedience. Also, consistent obedience. Consistency means tomorrow morning you get up and you do it again. You're obedient today, but what about tomorrow? And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Obedience is not showing up on Sunday. You want favor with God, you don't get it by showing up on Sunday. You don't get it by being obedient for an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half on Sunday morning. You don't get it. It's, it's about consistency. Now, here, here's the thing to think about. Now, God has told Noah, Noah, I want you to build this ark, and I'm going to put your family on this ark, and, and, and everybody's going to be wiped out, Noah, but you're going to be saved because of this ark. You know what? Guess what? That means tomorrow morning when I wake up, I want to be obedient again because there's a flood coming. Destruction is coming. My family is going to be rescued by God if I'm obedient again tomorrow. Because the boat doesn't get built if I'm only obedient a couple of hours a week. You know, I, I didn't see a real timeline that God had given Noah. Maybe he didn't tell him because he, he, God knew when, how long it was going to take Noah. But, you know, if God told most of us, you know, it's going to take you a week to do this. It'd take us about a month because we'd postpone, we'd delay, and we'd procrastinate. We'd get, right? And so... I don't see where God says anywhere in the Scripture, this is how long it's going to take you. He just says, there's a flood coming, Noah. And Noah, I'm going to deliver your family if you get the boat built. So you know what that makes? It makes me want to get up every morning and say, wait a minute, i got to get this boat built. And I'll really connect with this because God was speaking some things to me just a few years ago before planning this. And if you come to 101 today, I'll tell you what those things are. I'll tell you there's a, a statement God made. And I really connect with this it's because this is about building an ark for my family. And you know what? I don't have time. I don't have time to procrastinate one more day. Every single day I get up. You say, well, but it was easy for Noah. What was easy for Noah? What, tell me what was easy for He had no one. He had everybody was looking at him like he was a crazy fool for believing in a God that nobody else had ever heard of before. 
And what, did, what was easy for Noah? It was tough every single day. He had to get up and he had to listen to them laugh. He had to get up and he had to talk to his family. And sometimes his family might have thought he was a little off his rocker as well. But you know what? Noah understood. Noah understood. The only hope my family has is that I get up every single day and I am the man God has called me to be. And that's why we need some men who will step up to be the, be the dad, to be the parent, to be the, the, the husband that God has called them to be. And say every day, my family, my marriage is at stake if I don't step up and become who I'm supposed to be. And if, and if the boat doesn't get built before the storm comes, it won't be God's fault. It's going to be our fault. And that's why it was important to Noah to be obedient every single day because he didn't know when the flood was coming. See, you don't know when the next battle's coming to your life, do you? Some of you are in a battle right now. Somebody say amen. You're in a battle right now. And see, if you've been waiting to get ready for the battle till the battle showed up, you're too late. I mean, if the, when the storm clouds began gathering over Noah, if he said, okay, boys, we better go get some boards and put something together real quick, it'd been too late then. And if you're waiting until the storm shows up to get serious about being committed to God in a total, consistent obedience, you're going you're to be swamped by the flood that's going to show up at your house one day, this week maybe, or next month. But it's coming, isn't it? Man, I heard somebody say it a long time ago, and I don't, I don't know how many times that, I, that I've said it, but I've said it so many times in preaching, you know, we're all in one of three places. We either just came out of a battle or we're in a battle right now or we're headed to our next battle because this is life. It's never perfect. And, 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 it, and if it gets perfect for a few moments, just wait a minute. <laughs> this is life. Somebody will show up to rain on your parade. Somebody will show up to, to, to throw a wrench in everything that you've been fixing, to, to just mess up every single thing that you've been working on. It's going to happen. And if you wait until that moment, it's going to be too late. See, here's the thing is, when, Noah, when God got ready to do this, he didn't have to go fix somebody. He already had a man. Are you listening? When God got ready to, to perform a miracle and to save somebody's family, he didn't have to find somebody to fix, somebody to straighten out, somebody to, to say, hey, here's the sin in your life. He already had somebody. So here's the question to ask, sir and ma'am, and young sirs and young ma'ams. Does God have somebody in you? If God chose today to say, I'm bringing a miracle to your house this week, does he have somebody to speak that into today? Or would he need to fix you? Would he need to tweak something about who you are today? There's no time for tweaking when the opportunity for miracle comes to your house. But the other part of that verse, the other thing that was so important was faith. Believing. Believing God will and can do exactly what God says he wants to do. Believing that God is able. Taking him completely at his word. Well, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe what God's going to do is he's going to let the rainy season show up. No, God says I'm going to flood the whole thing. Believing God, taking him at his word. And I know, man, it's so, and this is the thing I was thinking about when, when Brenton was talking, I thought, man, it, it's so easy for us to, to, lose, to lose this anticipation that God's going to show up and do something awesome for me, for, for, for my marriage, 
my, my, my kids are really struggling, but God's going to show up and do awesome, something awesome for my kids. It's so easy to lose this anticipation of God showing up and doing something like that. And, yeah, why, why can't we believe God to heal the body that he created? I mean, you know, if you build an engine for me in my car, you know, if I have a problem with it next week, guess who I'm going to bring it to? I'm going to say, hey, something ain't right with this. Can you tweak this little thing or whatever? I mean, you ever bought a new car? You ever bought a new car that's under warranty, something goes wrong, says, man, it don't sound right? Who do you take it to? You take it to those people who built it, right? Because they're the ones that know. Why can we not believe that God can fix what he has created? He created our bodies, and if we're sick in body, why can't we believe that if he created us in the first place, he can heal us? If, if you don't have any eardrums, why can't we believe he created me? I've got eardrums. If you, don't, if you don't even have any eardrums, why can't we believe that God can create eardrums inside of you right this moment? God created marriage. He instituted it. And when you stood before him and you said, I do, and he made two become one as one flesh, when he made you as one, if we, if we believe God created that, then why can't we believe that God can rescue our marriages and save our marriages and heal them and pull them back together? God gave us our children, put them in our hands, and when they begin walking away from him and, and doing things that they shouldn't be doing, why, why can't we believe if God gave us these precious gifts that God can save them from where they are? He can pull them out of whatever garbage and trash they're in, that when the flood that's about to come, he, he can lift them up just as he did Noah and his family in that ark and lift them over that thing. Why can't we believe that if God did all this for us, that he can fix it in our lives? And some of you desperately need today desperately need today to one more time believe in a God, as, as Britton said, that is supernatural. <laughs> You're not a God that was voted in. Not a God that was elected. Not a God that we all by general consensus say, uh, I think it's Jehovah. But a God who before anything else was, He was. Before anything else had been planned, he already was. And he created this universe. And if we believe all that, then why can't we believe that he can do exactly what he says we, he can do? He can save your marriage. He can rescue your kids from wherever they are. He can turn your, your classmates' lives around. He can fix your finances. And he can heal your body. And if you, you need to, some of you need to believe this again today, that God is still the miracle-working God. And when you do that, you know what's going to happen? Your land is no longer going to be a land without God. But you're going to wake up on Monday morning and realize, wait a minute, my land's got a God in it again. You're going to wake up on Tuesday morning and you're going to realize your God or your land has a God in it. You're going to, you're going to find out that your marriage has God. And that, that's a part of the land that has a God in it again. You're going to find even your health and your finances, all of the areas of your life. that have been, when, when you begin to believe He is who He is, it's all going to come back. Because here's the thing. I'll say, I'll say this and I'll quit. We're going to close this up here in just a moment. If you're not believing in God today, imagine God shows up and he says, I want you to build an ark. You've got to go from zero to 90 in 0.2 seconds, right? But you, have to, you, have to, you don't even know if God exists. I mean, where's he at? He's gone, whatever. And God says, I want you to build an ark. You're going to strip every spiritual gear you've got in yourself. To try and go, try and grasp and believe that God's going to do this in your life. You say, well, it was easy. What was, what was easy for Noah? As far as we can tell, God was doing nothing. As far as we can tell, God was doing nothing in the world that was visual. 
And all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to send a flood. I want you to build a boat. Zero to 90, 0.2 seconds. Can you go there? Not if you haven't already been believing God. Noah already had faith in God when God wasn't talking. Come on, somebody. Noah had faith in God when nothing good was happening. Noah believed in God when nobody else in the world believed in God. And when nobody else was obedient, when nobody else was doing right, Noah had faith in God. That's why when God said, that last verse, again, Mike, the last verse you had, that's why when God says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Because it was no great leap to go from the faith he had to this faith. He was already there. Sam, come to the front with me if you will. How many of you need God to do something in your life today? Raise your hand. You need God to do something in your life today. Just preached a message about miracles and faith and believing and obedience and all that stuff. So, I mean, this is the time. Raise your hand. You know, this is the service. Say, yes, I need something from God. I mean, it may be this is the moment. God's looking to find somebody. It's already there. One more time. How many of you got something you need God to do in your life? Amen. I need it. Prayer team, I ain't got enough of you. But prayer team, come stand around if you will. <laughs> Please, please, if you will, let somebody come, come and let somebody have faith with you today to believe. We're going to cl- close our eyes in a moment and start praying. You can slip down then if you want to. If you'll just reach over, you do, if you just reach over, you can tell them something. You say, man, we just need a miracle in our family. You can say, I need a financial miracle. You want to tell them what? So they can pray with you. But just come down and just take them by the hand and they want to believe with you this morning. Believe with you this morning. Somebody believe. If you've got a family member's standing close to you, take them by the hand if you're not already, and, and, and tell them, let's believe again. Turn, turn to that. If you've got a family member close to you, especially if you're married, turn to that one and say, let's believe again. Let's believe today. Let's believe again for something awesome to happen. Would you bow with me right now? Come on. Bow with me. Let's pray. Please, if you raised your hand, come, come and let somebody pray and believe with you this morning.